are about to listen to Where Your Treasure Is, the podcast where faith and finance meet. Please note that the views expressed are our own and in no way represent any form of financial advice. And remember, investments can go down as well as up. Happy listening. Hello and welcome to the second bonus episode of season four. And today we are going to be talking about what is probably one of Simon's favorite topics, but probably one of my least favorite, which is tax returns. I'm not even sure that I enjoy tax <laughs> returns. It's just something you've got to get out of the way, isn't it? But yeah, I know more than many people about it, shall we say that? Well, it's oddly comforting that it's not your favourite topic either. I thought for a financial planner, that might be like Christmas come early. You see, financial planners don't necessarily get involved in tax returns that much. Your accountant now, they probably either love or hate tax returns. It's their bread and butter. But it's the thing that keeps them awake at night every January because there's just so many that need to be done by the deadline. Well, it seems as though already I have misconceptions about tax returns and who's involved. So, Simon, why don't you kick us off by telling us what actually is a tax return? So, a tax return, in the UK at least, is a means of reporting any tax that we are due to HMRC, His Majesty's Revenue and Customs. Now, we are all legally obliged, one might even say morally obliged, or scripturally instructed to pay our taxes to HMRC who collect them on behalf of the government. And the government then go and use them to keep the country running as best it can. Now, straight at the start, it's worth saying, for many people, they don't really get involved in tax returns at all. They pay their taxes through a scheme called PAYE, pay as you earn. And that is where their employer deducts tax and national insurance, and we're not going to get into what they are and why they're different, but they exist. They deduct it straight from the salary on a weekly or monthly basis and pay it straight over to HMRC for the employees. And this is kind of real-time tax reporting. You're paying it on a monthly or weekly basis, not once a year, sometimes well after the end of the time when you've earned that money. And HMRC indicate there are about 30 million salaried employees in the UK, most of whom don't need to complete a tax return because their salary is their only taxable income and they have no other income or deductions to claim. But HMRC also announce annually, typically, that at the moment there are about 12 million people who are due to complete tax returns each year because either their main source of income is not through employment or they have a secondary source of income in addition to their main employment, or they have some other tax information that needs to be reported to HMRC. Okay, so it feels like we're going down a slightly niche but very important rabbit hole today. So who is this most relevant to? Who actually needs to fill out a tax return? Well, I would argue if there's 10 million people doing it, it's not that niche. Fair. So let me kind of give you an idea of the kind of people who might need to or might want to complete a tax return. So the self-employed, they're not paying tax on the way that they earn it. It gets reported at the end of each year. Those who rent out property, and here I'm talking about individuals who rent it out directly with a tenant, not through some kind of corporate structure where they own a business. If you are in receipt of investment income, like dividends, there are circumstances where you have to report that to HMRC. 
if you sold investments or you sold a second property, one that isn't your main residence, you have to report capital gains or capital losses through a tax return. If you do most of your tax paying through PAYE, but then you go on to make additional personal pension contributions, so not ones that are taken through your payroll, through your payslip. And mostly here, actually, if you're an additional or higher rate taxpayer, that matters because you can get some tax back in those circumstances. Similarly, again, for higher or additional rate taxpayers, if you give money to charity through gift aid, you're entitled to some tax back. Why not get it back? For those who earn significant amounts of interest on cash savings and deposits. Now, we're recording this in 2023. For the last 10 years or so, it's been really hard to get decent amounts of interest on cash deposits. You'd have to have well over £100,000 in the bank to start getting the kind of money to generate enough interest that you'd have to pay tax on it. But interest rates are going up. So if during a year you earn more than £1,000 in interest, or if you're a higher rate taxpayer, just £500, or in fact, if you're an additional rate taxpayer, any interest at all, you have to report it to HMRC. And then one little note at this stage, there's some people out there who right now don't have to report to HMRC, but they know they're going to at some point soon. Maybe they're starting their own self-employment business or their own limited company, or they're going to rent a property out. You need to tell HMRC that you're going to have a source of income that needs reported because it takes them a bit of time to get you into the system. And you don't want to run foul of the deadlines and end up paying penalties because you were too slow. Brilliant. So if you have identified yourself as one of these 10 million people, what's your first step? How do you fill in a tax return? So traditionally, you would fill it in in paper format. HMRC would send you through a booklet. You'd fill in boxes. You'd do a bit of maths and you'd send it off to them. But of those 10, 12 million people that do tax returns every year, 95% of them do it online. You need to get a government gateway account. You can do it in a few minutes online with your email address and national insurance number. And once you've got into the government gateway, you can apply for self-assessment and basically say, I'm going to self-assess and you start filling it in online. And actually the online system is really good. So if you've never done it before and you're worried, you can just go and start and get some guidance as you go along. I personally am super grateful for the online system, partly because it does all the maths for me and that feels like a benefit to everyone. And so is the tax return the only way you can report this information or are there other ways you could do that? So in some circumstances, you can just report information directly to HMRC without getting into self-assessment. And self-assessment is that process where every year you report through your tax return your tax affairs to HMRC. So it might be that you have a one-off where you sold a property or you sold some shares and it's never going to repeat again. Or maybe you made a big pension contribution or a big gift aid to charity donation. And again, it's a one-off. It's not going to be repeated. You can just write to them or ring them, although there's usually a quite a long waiting time on the phone, or email them if you can find an email address, but there's an online digital assistant as well. And just say, here's my situation. Do I owe you tax? Do you owe me tax? And by the way, it's not going to happen next year. That way they won't just throw you into self-assessment and you'll find next year you've got to do it, but there's no advantage. The other thing is you can get help. You might want to ask someone to give you a hand on this. And sometimes professionals have expert systems that they can plug in as well. 
And so does everyone who is filling out a tax return need professional help or would that just be some people? You definitely don't need professional help, but sometimes you will want it. Generally speaking, if your financial affairs are very straightforward, maybe just one or two sources of fairly straightforward income, you can report it yourself. Again, if it's just how much you're paying into your pension or to gift aid, fairly straightforward. But if your tax affairs become more complex, certainly the more you earn, it becomes more complex. If you have multiple sources of income, employment, self-employment, your own business, dividends, shares, interest, rent, suddenly, yes, you can do it yourself. I do my own tax return, but it takes a bit more practice. And then you might want help from people because of their expertise. So a financial planner, what's my role in all this? There's information that I have that my clients need to fill in their tax returns. How much money did you earn from your investments? What kind of income was it? Dividends or interest? Is it from the UK or overseas? What were your pension contributions, etc.? So I deliver that information to my clients so that they could complete their tax returns. And then for many, they will get an accountant to help. And not only is the accountant the expert in all things tax, so they know exactly how to fill the return in efficiently. They know what information to gather from you. They know what expenses you can claim, what deductions you can make. Generally, a good accountant will save you certainly time and possibly money. And your decision is, is it worth paying them their fee? And for everyone, it's a different decision to make. So I have identified whether I need to fill out this tax return. I have decided whether I do that by self-assessment or whether I'm reporting something separately. I know whether I need professional help or not. What other information do I need to complete it? Potentially loads. So the first thing I would say, if you anticipate, yes, I'm going to have to report some tax, is keep good records. Often the tax return itself doesn't need to be submitted until a year and a half, almost two years after some of the events that you're reporting. So unless your record keeping is absolutely spot on, make sure you've got somewhere you put all the data. Now, you gather it as you go along because a point comes where you are issued with a tax return and then have a deadline to complete it by. Now, the deadline is the 31st of January of the year after the tax return ends. We'll talk more about that later. So I'm going to give you some highlights now of the kind of information different categories of people need to report. And we'll start with the self-employed. Now, for them, it's all about their profits. How much did they make? Not just earn, which is their income, but you then deduct their expenses. So you have to know what kind of expenses are allowable to deduct from their income. And can you just explain what allowable expenses are a little bit more? It always feels like they can be a slightly grey area. Oh, they're beautifully grey. Yes. This is where your accountant will totally be the right person to ask. But let me give you a very simple example. Let's imagine you're running your own little business and your business is to buy and sell laptops, laptop computers. So you buy a laptop to begin with to run the business from. It's a business expense. It's something you need to run the business. So the cost of that laptop, you will take out of your profits in the future to pay less tax. But then you buy a whole stack of other laptops, which you're going to sell on. Well, the cost of buying them is a business expense. It's allowable. And when you sell them, you make a bit of profit, hopefully a margin on each one. And you add up all the amounts you sell them for, take off all the amounts you paid for them, and the bit in the middle is your profit. And from the profit, you will deduct all that laptop that you bought for yourself. 
But let's imagine you bought another laptop, which you gave to your wife or your husband or your children for their personal use. Well, you can't claim that as a business expense. It's not being used for the business and you haven't sold it on to a third party. So that is a non-deductible or non-allowable expense. Now, there are lots of these kind of things that are allowable and lots of things that are not allowable. And it's not really obvious which ones are and aren't. So sometimes you either go searching online for the answer or speak to an accountant and say, here are all my expenses. Which ones can I deduct and which ones can I not? Actually, many people get it wrong. They deduct things that are not allowable, which is technically tax evasion. They just don't know it. Or they don't deduct things that are allowable and end up paying more tax than they would need to. Okay, so we've got our definition of allowable expenses a little bit clearer now, or at least a starting point for figuring out what those are. What other information do we need to complete this self-assessment? So other categories of reportable income, rental income. You rent out a flat or a second property or a holiday home. Well, how much rent do you earn? And again, what are your allowable expenses? Maintenance costs, insurance, repairs, and to some degree, how much you spend on finance, which is an element of your mortgage. Fairly complex when it comes to rental, guidance online, or again, from your accountant. HMRC have some superb guidance on allowable rental expenses. Then dividends earned, whether from your own business, you pay yourself by dividends, or shares that you hold in other businesses or that you've invested in. Those that are not invested through an ISA, this is your tax wrapper that protects you from tax. So if you're in an ISA, no worries. Don't need to record it. Don't need to report it. Same with investments in a pension. No need to report those. But everything else, you have to know what dividend income you have received during the year. Or maybe you receive interest during the year. That can be from money in the bank or building society. It could be from fixed term deposits, which pay once a year. It could be investments that produce an income. And again, record all the types of interest and that goes into your tax return. Maybe you have income from other sources, even sources where tax has already been paid. So you'll get a P60 notification from that employer. Here's how much we paid you. Here's how much tax we took off from you. That information also gets plugged into your tax return so that you get the totals right with all your various sources of income. And then a couple of different ones. Here are situations where maybe you can reduce the amount of tax you need to pay. So the first is pension contributions. Now, this mostly matters, I mentioned before, if you're a higher or additional rate taxpayer. But if you're putting money into a pension out with your employer's arrangement, typically you can then tell HMRC about that and they will give you a bit more tax back because the tax itself is relieved when it goes into a pension and it grows tax-free into the future. It's a great tax planning tool if you're a higher rate taxpayer. And then, and it's quite relevant for us in our conversation, gift aid. Because most donations to charities and therefore to churches qualify for gift aid. So once again, if you're a higher rate or additional rate taxpayer, when you make a donation to a church or to a charity, the charity only receives 20% tax back on the amount that you have gifted. But if you're paying 40% or 42 in Scotland or additional rates even higher than that, you are entitled to get the extra 20, 25, 27% tax back from the tax man. Really important to claim that back. You can also go back up to four years and you can move gift aid contributions between different tax years in some circumstances. 
But that is a topic for another day. So there are so many different sources of information that you need to take into account when you're filling out this self-assessment form. What happens if you get something wrong in the process? It's really easy to get something wrong and not know you've got it wrong. But if you identify a mistake, you can go back and amend it. If that amendment means that you have underpaid tax, HMRC will likely charge you interest because you paid it later than you should have done. If they think you did it deliberately, they can penalise you a lot more. If it turns out you've overpaid tax, you didn't claim gift aid or pensions or expenses, you can then get that extra tax back from HMRC, usually pretty quickly. But a mistake is different from deliberately falsifying your return, especially if you're trying to falsify it and pay less tax, that is tax evasion, and can be considered fraud. There can be penalties, both a fine or even a prison sentence. So definitely do your best to get it right. No pressure. So we've got the who and the what of tax returns. My next question is, when do you fill these out? So there are two main deadlines. The majority have a deadline of January 31st of the following year to when the tax year ends. So where we're recording just now, the last tax year that has finished was from the 6th of April, 2022, and it finished on the 5th of April, 2023. That tax return if done online, has to be completed by the 31st of January, 2024, nine months later. Now, according to HMRC, 12.2 million people were expected to complete a tax return in 2022. And about 10 million of them did and did it on time. But 630,000 did it on the very last day. And 21,000 of those did it in the last hour before the midnight deadline. And then 2 million people just miss the deadline completely. Now, you can submit your tax return as early as you like, once you have all the information. You haven't got to wait until January to do it, therefore avoiding any post-Christmas last-minute tax return stress. Get it out the way. Even if you submit your tax return early, you don't have to pay the tax bill until the 31st of January. It also means you know exactly how much you've got to pay when the time comes. If you're going to get an accountant to help you out, and help them out, send them the information sooner. So many accountants I've worked with end up burning the midnight oil dealing with all their clients who send in tax return information right at the last minute in January, and they try their best to get them through. But hey, you can do it in April if you want to, get it out of the way. Now that's if you do it online. If you're doing it by paper, then you have to do it by the 31st of October. That's three months sooner to give HMRC time to do the maths for you on the paper versions. So for those of us who already feel a little bit stressed and deadline conscious after those facts and figures, when do we then have to pay the tax due? In the majority of circumstances, the tax is also due by midnight on the 31st of January, even if you've put your tax return in before then. Now, my record so far is getting a tax return in on the 8th of April. Whew. So just three days after tax year end. But the reason was I knew I was going to get some tax back from the tax man. So it made sense to get it back sooner rather than waiting months and getting it back later on. There's one exception to that deadline, and that is if you sell a property, a second property, one that's not your main residence, and you might have capital gains tax to pay. In that circumstance, on UK residential property sales, you now have to report it within 30 days of the completion of the sale. It used to be you could wait almost two years to pay the tax. Taxman wants it now. Some people just spent it and didn't have it when the time came. 
So a top tip, if you do own a second property, which you rent out or you use as a holiday home, again, keep good records because some of the expenses that you pay on that property are allowable, are deductible against future capital gains. But if it was 20 or 30 years ago when you did the work and you haven't remembered and you haven't got the evidence, you'll end up paying more tax than you need to. So important to keep good records. And one of the things that I've noticed being self-employed is it almost feels like you're paying tax ahead of time. Can you explain what that process is? So that is called payment on account. You're not quite paying tax ahead of time, but you're paying it ahead of the deadline. So in that scenario where there's some tax due on the 31st of January 2024, if it's your first tax year, you pay nothing in advance, along comes 31st of January and you pay your tax bill. But HMRC will then also charge you half of the next year's tax at the same time. Now, I say you're not paying in advance because you're already most of the way through that tax year. You've earned the money. So you pay it a little bit after halfway through. You then pay the second amount on account at the 31st of July, which is at the end of the previous tax year, but still six months ahead of the deadline of when the tax is actually due. Now, if your income from one year to the next remains exactly the same, and therefore your profits do, by the time you get to the 31st of the next January, you'll have already paid all the tax that you were due. There's no difference between what you've paid in advance and what you're supposed to pay. If there is a difference, if your income has gone up, you will make a balancing payment and pay the bit extra to get you to where you're supposed to be. If you've overpaid because your profits have come down, for example, you either get a rebate or a reduction against future tax bills. So it's important to save up tax as you go along rather than just hope that you'll have enough when the time comes to pay it. And what happens if you are either worried you won't be able to pay the tax in time or if you are late in making those payments? So if you are worried, there's a few strategies to employ. One of which might be pay as you go along. So actually deliberately pay the tax man a bit in advance. And we'll talk more about that later on. That gets you out of your bank account and into the tax man's and they record that for you online. If you get to the end of the deadline and you realize you haven't got enough money to pay the tax bill, still submit your return. You get penalties if you submit it late and then you can talk to them about a time to pay scheme. Effectively, an agreement whereby you'll pay the tax over a number of months or longer depending on how big the tax bill is. What you don't want to do is miss the deadline and just ignore it because there are penalties. Now, there are penalties for filing, which is giving HMRC the information, and there are also penalties for paying your tax late. So let me give you the summaries of those. If you miss the deadline of 31st of January to file your return, straight away, £100 penalty. But if you end up being more than three months late, then the penalty gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You end up paying £900 penalty if you're six months late. And then you pay a penalty because the tax is being paid late. And that can be a percentage of how much tax you are due plus interest on the tax that you have not paid on time. Now, it may feel a bit odd that you're being penalized for submitting your return late and for payment being late because why wouldn't you do them at the same time? But as I've pointed out already, you don't have to pay your tax at the same time as you submit your return. So if you get your tax return in on time but don't pay, you just pay the late payment penalty or you might have been paying the tax on account but haven't submitted your return yet, you would just have the late filing penalty. 
And would there be any advantage in paying your tax ahead of the deadline? So apart from the fact that sometimes through payment on account, you kind of have to pay ahead of the deadline. There are two other good reasons why you might choose to pay even more ahead of the deadline. So firstly, not everyone is great when it comes to managing money. You might be working and earning a profit month by month by month, and it's building up in an account. And you haven't really worked out how much of it is for tax and how much of it you can spend on your holidays. So if you're worried that you might accidentally spend it on something that's a lot more fun than paying the tax bill, and then realize the money's not there when you need it, you can just pay HMRC as you go along. You log in, you send them some money, and it gets banked against your account. So from an admin point of view, one advantage. But there's a second one. Everyone should be aware of this if they do pay tax through self-assessment. Just like the way HMRC will charge you interest if you're late paying tax, they will also give you interest if you're early paying tax. And the amount of interest they pay is tied to the Bank of England base rate. It's base rate minus one. Now, as of today's recording date, the base rate is 4.25%. So if you pay your tax early, HMRC will give you 3.25% interest on that tax. Now, yes, there are accounts out there that pay more interest than that. But many business accounts and many of people's current accounts still pay little or no interest. So keeping it in your own account, you're earning nothing. Paying to HMRC early, you're making a bit of profit. Caveat, HMRC will then tax you on that interest if you earned enough interest over the year, but it will give you a deduction on the amount of tax you eventually have to pay or how much you'll pay in the following year. As someone who does often pay their tax early precisely so they don't spend it, I didn't realise I could be making money at the same time. What a lovely bit of news today. So let's say you're paying your tax, it's all going well. What happens if you overpay and you are due tax back? So you might overpay if you have a lower level of income than previous years. So your payments on account were based on a higher number. You've paid a bit more than you had to. Maybe you've had some time off work and therefore didn't earn as much during a year. Maybe you made a larger than usual pension contribution or gift aid, and so you're entitled to a larger tax refund. Or, as we've just said, maybe you paid in advance, you got some interest, and there's a few extra pounds due back to you. In those circumstances, you can request a repayment of overpaid tax from HMRC. They're pretty good at getting it back to you. You can choose to have it offset against future tax due, or you can get your tax code changed. And all of those options you can do online through the Government Gateway account. So some super practical, relatively quickfire questions. The first one is, what is a tax code and what does it mean in this context? So a tax code is a way of understanding how much tax-free income you're entitled to, and it helps employers and pension providers work out how much they should take off your income or off your pension based upon other sources you might have. So a typical tax code is 1257 L. They have letters and numbers. The 1257, well, times it by 10, it becomes 12,570. That's the normal person's personal allowance, how much income you can get totally tax-free. The L in this circumstance just tells HMRC kind of how old you are and which set of rules apply. But you might have an S at the start, means you're a Scottish taxpayer, or a C, which means you're a Welsh taxpayer because you're from Cymru. There are other letters that might appear, there's loads of lists online as to what they all mean. It is important to occasionally check your tax code because it does go wrong from time to time and you might end up paying too much tax 
or too little tax during the year, and it's still your responsibility to pay the right amount. And the online account and the HMRC app give you some good guidance as to why your tax code is what it is. Thank you for demystifying that. Next question is how do you pay the tax you are due? If you go online and you're doing it through the online system, at the end of the process, it will say, time to pay your tax bill. Do you want to pay it by direct debit, pay it by a debit card? HMRC can basically jump into your bank account with your permission and take the money out, or you can send them a check. They don't really deal with cash anymore. And then if you have been filling out tax returns and something changes in your circumstances, which means you would no longer need to complete one, what do you do? The important thing is not to ignore it and just don't fill it in because HMRC will treat that as a late filing and they will penalise you. Even if there's no tax to pay, you're penalised for not telling them there's no tax to pay. Get in contact with them. You can ring them. You can go onto the digital assistant. You can write them a letter and just tell them, my situation's changed. Here's what it's going to be in the future. I don't think I have any more tax to report. Please take me out of self-assessment. Now, they might still leave you in for a bit to test the water. Are you telling the truth? Or you might want to stay in because of things like gift aid and pensions to reduce your tax bill. They're very friendly. It's just hard to get hold of them sometimes. But if something's changed, try and get in touch with them. Fantastic. So now that we hopefully all have a much clearer idea of what tax returns are, who needs to do them, when to do them and how to pay. Simon, what are your top tips for grappling with self-assessment and tax returns? So that was quite a whistle-stop tour of the tax return. And certainly top tip number one is, if you think it's too complicated, speak to an accountant. They will save you time and they might save you money or it'll be a price worth paying. In terms of you doing your tax return or helping an accountant, number one, keep good records and keep them until you know you've dealt with the information on them. Number two, save regularly towards your tax bill during the year. Don't wait until you know how much tax there's to pay and then try and find the money. You should have an idea as you're going along. I'm making some profit. I've got some tax to pay. And then you've got it set aside somewhere else. As a very, very rough rule of thumb, if you've got no idea, set aside about a third of your profits to pay tax. That should be too much, but better having too much and taking some back than not having enough when the time comes. Three, pay early and get some interest from HMRC. If you can make more money elsewhere, fine. If you can't, let's make money from the tax man. Number four, be aware of payments on account during your first year of reporting a tax return or when profits go up they're going to go up by one and a half times because you'll pay on account half of next year's as well. So sometimes you've got to bank more than that 33% to account for the extra tax that's going to be paid. Five, gift aid. And we'll talk more about this in season five. You can move gift aid from one year to the next and sometimes one year to the last. Bit complex, but well worth finding out if you're the kind of person who makes decent gift aid contributions and has higher rates of tax to pay in some years and not others. Six, pension contributions reduce the amount of tax you pay if you're a higher or additional rate taxpayer. Make use of pension contributions. Seven, I haven't mentioned this one, I'll throw it in. If you make a loss on an investment, whether a property or maybe some shares or investments, you can carry those losses forward forever 
and then offset them against other gains in the future to reduce future tax bills. But you need to report the losses to HMRC within four years of the loss being realised. And then a final one, if you haven't seen it already, HMRC have brought out quite a nice little app on your phone or your tablet so you can keep track of your tax position and get quite a lot of information directly from them at your fingertips. I appreciate not the most exciting app, but if you're going to be a good steward of what God has given you, let's make use of the tools that are available. Thank you, Simon. That has been so helpful just in terms of providing that informational understanding and then also framing it in the biblical principle of stewardship as well at the end there. We will be back very shortly for season five. So keep an eye in your favorite podcast feed for that. We are looking forward to having a whole season about giving and what that looks like in our lives. Bex, thank you for hosting that episode all about a tax return. If at home you're thinking, hang on, they didn't answer this really important question that I have, then please do feel free to get in touch with us. You can email us on whereyourtreasureis at freerangepodcasting.co.uk or you can send us a message via our wonderful Instagram page at where your treasure is podcast and i'm now gonna go and tackle that tax return that i've been procrastinating on and i will look forward to seeing you next time good luck back see you next time bye. bye this podcast has been brought to you by free range podcasting let us take you where you and your podcast want to go